1: The Imprint Companion
0: Podcast is, of course, brought to you by
1: Imprint Films. Imprint Films is a brand-new Australian boutique Blu-ray label. Check them out for limited-edition deluxe Blu-ray releases of long-requested and previously unreleased films. Check out the past and future releases online at imprintfilms.com.au. You can follow Imprint Films on Twitter at imprint underscore films, or one word, on Instagram, at imprintfilms, no space. And finally, on the Facebook page, at imprintfilmsau. Hello and welcome to Imprint
2: Companion, the early podcast on the Australian internet about Australian DVD culture, specifically <laughs> the new, finally, first ever Australian boutique Blu-ray label. I could not be more excited to talk about this. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and I'm joined by a very dear friend of mine, Blake Howard.
3: Alexi, I have
2: yearned for a time that
3: my voice could be recorded saying these words together: "slip" and "case." Oh, and here we are. I could not be happier. This is this is my fa- one of my favorite projects we've ever embarked mm-hmm. upon. It is just a giant gushing love fest with you and I, and I'm super excited about, especially in the environment they're in right now for an emerging boutique Blu-ray label. Like, I'm all about it. I love that there are physical media collectors out
2: here who are as ravenous as us, and I'm just like, "I, I, I can't get enough. I'm scared to meet the ones that are more ravenous than us, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I've been dying to say slipcover. I've been trying to say, dying to say transfer on a podcast before. You oh and I goodness. both have many, many podcasts, and I was worried about being bullied about saying the word freaking slipcover for so long. <laughs> I've never said the word for boutique Blu-ray on a podcast before. <laughs> and he's giving me joy to give me life to finally say these things. But maybe we should introduce ourselves. Who are we to freaking talk about this sacred Culture of Blu-ray collecting and DVD culture. <laughs> Why are we the ones to be the best at doing this?
3: Look, I, I'll i start with just a, a, one small thing and then I'll, I'll pass the baton back to you to share. My very first job out of high school, I was a dish pig and then I needed to get like a real job and with inverted commas, a real job. And my brother happened to work for Village Roadshow, which oh, is wow. one of the biggest... Uh, yes. DVD and Blu-ray distributors in the country, and movie and, distributors. I know we only really talk fi- and, we only really physical and movie, media and movies, but but right <laughs> here we're talking about movies, right? Like Blu-rays and DVDs, and they were they were um, there was a DVD and VHS warehouse, and that was one of my first jobs out of high school. I worked in that warehouse in the returns department. And so my entire life was packing boxes of DVDs and Blu-rays and VHSs onto pallets, sending them out to department stores all around this country, I literally in the returns department, you get back like all of the stuff. Like it's your whole life isn't a series of unboxings and reboxings and repackaging things. And so I was up close and personal with this for like my whole life. So, you know, home entertainment and experiencing movies at home has been like one thing. But another thing is like that tactile relationship yes. with movies and like just being, you know, being thrilled and excited with stuff. And no one has ever cared except for the real, like, deep, dark ones of us. But, Mm -hmm. like, I worked in that place when Tony Martin, comedian Tony (gasps) Martin's great Australian film, Bad Eggs, was coming out. Yes. And they messed up the order of the pamphlet that was in the DVD and it nearly cancelled the entire release. I was in the warehouse that day when they made that call to just let it go with the wrong order. I was there in the warehouse when they made a brand new box... You are part of Australian
2: DVD culture history, baby.
3: I'm I'm right here, baby. I'm right on the front line with you. (laughs) I've been there since Indiana Jones um, came out with its four four DVD at the time box set. And they had to build a new box. This like piss yellow, disgusting box that had 24 box, you know, four DVD box sets in it. Um, So I'm excited. I'm so excited to be here. And I've loved that, you know, Streaming culture is super convenient, but there is nothing that scares me more than say them covering Daryl Hannah's ass with hair on Disney Plus and me never being able to see that took us again. And I'm so excited that this is the podcast for to never happen. Exactly, we own exactly.
2: We owned The Secret Took Us on DVD and Blu-ray, it's a combo <laughs> box baby um, But also I wouldn't just say that you're just a DVD collector and DVD fan With a rich history of DVD collecting and working in that industry You're one of my favourite critics around And of course you're one of the greatest around podcasters uh, One Heat Minute, International Sensation Where you go through the classic movie Heat by Michael Mann minute by minute Which concludes with what? I want you to say and I want to hear you say with what it concluded with it concluded with the man himself,
3: Mr. Michael Mann, coming on for the final episode of the show, mm-hmm. and not only indulging me in one of the greatest conversations one could ever have about the movie Heat, but he also indulged me with saying the final lines of the movie to one another to end the show, which wow. uh, could not have been better. Now, you've heaped praise upon me and uh, and my my critical and podcasting <laughs> pursuits, but you, I mean, I'm 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 the only Minute by minute podcast on the internet. I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. and I think it's even fairer to say that you are part one half of, in fact, the only movie podcast on the internet. Total reboot. You're also <laughs> one half of the team, one half of the Woodstein team that did Finding Drago, <laughs> yeah. and 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 just and so many other comedic film based pursuits. You are you mm. are royalty and 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 oh, wow. this is a and this and this is an arranged marriage. Yes.
2: For us. Finally. <laughs>
3: just just <laughs> finally. Finally, just like the French uh the the French Royal family, which we're going to encounter in uh, imprint number five, uh, mm-hmm. Waterloo later on in our discussion. Um, but I, I'm, I'm super excited about us uh, finding a way to come together and an arranged marriage by no one else, uh, no one, none other than Maria Lewis, our, our yes. dear friend. Yes, our uh, friend brought us together.
2: Who would be totally ashamed of us at this point? I would say <laughs> absolutely. She is, she is not listening to us. this show. She is no, not listening to this show. I can't There's imagine no her popping her earbuds and popping this on. Can't imagine that happening right now. <laughs> Uh, But I'm very excited to talk about this Uh, My first job ever was working in uh, a DVD video store A rental store called Mondo Movies in Annandale in Sydney, Australia And it... Goodness. It's specialized in like art house and cult movies. So from like the age of 16 when I started working there, I was already obsessed with film and I really threw myself in. They had like an amazing collection of like really rare stuff and I think that's where i had already had like a small DVD collection but from there I was like, I love this tactileness. I like the idea of it feeling like an archive and feel like a museum almost and nice. I always call, like, my collection The Archive uh, because I think <laughs> of it as, like, just like, you know, I'm keeping the films that matter to me, films that I believe will be, like, an influence to my own work and films that I am curious about. I think that's what excites me most about, like, collecting is that there is an aspect of curiosity to it where you you make those blind buys where you're like, oh, that sounds cool. I've never heard of that before, but it sounds cool. And to me, the most important thing about film and and being a cinephile, if you will, uh, a registered (laughs) cinephile like I am where I had to go door (laughs) to freaking door, telling my neighbours, if you hear someone screaming, I'm watching freaking Psycho, dude. Uh, nothing untoward is going on Nothing untoward I just untoward. love movies And I have to let you know That's my whole uh, deal uh, no, you,
3: that, That's a lie There's a slight wrinkle to that <laughs> It is If you hear screaming I'm watching the Psycho remake And I can't yeah, bear it I, I cannot bear it
2: It, <laughs> it makes me sick What happened to Gus Sant During that movie I don't know what he did It sickens me And I kind of dig it I'll be honest. I kind of <laughs> dig what he did with it. Uh, but it's I'm, all about I'm, that sense of discovery for me. And it's like making those blind buy purchases because you're like kind of hooked in it. Like there's a curation out there of not just your own collection, but by uh, the distributors and the labels that are curating them and curating that experience. And I like being hooked into that. And there's been so many great films that I've discovered uh, over the years through collecting. And yes. I I think that's why we want to come together and do this because we're very excited that Australia now has its own and you and I have probably spent freaking countless dollars importing Ugh. stuff and having to be on the search online rather than having like that tactile feeling of going outside, like the small boutique stores, uh, like record shops and stuff that do stock your criterions and your arrows and your Eurekas. And uh, it's cool that we have our own ones that have freaking slip covers. They have a freaking spine <laughs> number on the side uh, that have Bonus features. The
3: spy number is as exciting as it gets. Mm. But
2: I think one thing that you
3: and I have experienced, and this is, would be exactly what you would have had in that Mondo store, like in Annandale, is at 16, is when you walk along and there are really carefully curated collections, like an emerging imprint or like a criterion or a canopy or an arrow, as you talk about, it's like there's something that is about the entire package. And the visual is a huge part. Like when you're a huge consumer, part. it's like... It, grabs you on the shelf and that inflames your curiosity like oh this is good and so many times like people like get annoyed at it and they meme the living Dalits at it when there's just like terrible formulaic movie posters and things like that like you know one of my favourite dumb ones of a movie that I really enjoy is like the movie Joe Carnahan's The Grey like it is a really cool movie, and there's such cool fan art out there. The poster is Liam Neeson's face in yeah. the snow. Like, who gives a shit, Liam Neeson? Uh, in your hello, face.
2: remember the wolves? Huge part of that movie. <laughs> Chuck a freaking wolf <laughs> glistening in his eye or something. Airbrush a wolf onto him.
3: If 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 you're in the feedback session, it's like if there is not a glistening-eyed wolf on this poster, get it out of here. I don't I don't want to hear. But so what I'm super excited about is that is like there is you know imprint uh, as a label is has got a whole variety of different films but uh, i think it's such an important thing like you said to keep curiosity like the best and 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 alexis archive stands a a testament to this is the best collections are those that like every time you look at them there's like 10 things that jump off every shelf that you just want to pick up and put on. Like you want to touch it, you want to reach in there, you know, some of the great Criterion collections and some of the international collections like Canopy or Arrow, like some of them have these amazing monographs that come with them so you can read great essays about it or photos from the films you love. And it's just like every single one not only has amazing transfers, has the best versions, has the best interviews, has the best commentaries, but it's just like these things that you can have and curate and keep and, and keep revisiting. And I love what you said. It becomes this like collage of who you are and all of your influences. And and that's really important to me to have on my shelf when I'm, you know, searching for that inspiration.
2: And I would say also for people like you and I that like work in creative industry as well in creating things, is that for me as like someone that works in TV and film and works in podcasting? When I'm making something, uh, it's so easy for me to go like, "Hey, I want it to sound like this, or I want it to look like this," and then hand them a copy of like freaking Mishima <laughs> or something or Les like <laughs> Samurai, and just be like, "This is what I want it to look like. This is what I want it to sound like," and just hand that to like my cine or hand that to like my composer, and then they can just be like, "Oh, I get it. I've got this version oh. of it, and I can f- I can fully embrace it." I don't I don't have to try and find it online or something or try and like get a dodgy copy from somewhere i've got like the best quality version that has been lent to me by a beautiful boy called Alexi Toliopoulos <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and and speaking of that beautiful boy oh boy do we have a beautiful first batch mm. of imprint films for you to experience and we're, we're a little bit overdue because this has now been released since may but you guys listening to imprint companion you're going to hear alex and i talk about everything that is out on every batch hopefully just before the batch so you're, you're going to hear retroactively about the may batch we're mm-hmm. going to preview the august batch and then very shortly we're going to have all five in yes. that and then we're also going to preview the october batch in the august episode which is the biggest one and most probably, most exciting one yet. So it's get. So you're going to Insane. hear from us. We're going to have. If you're listening to this, you might be listening to it on One Heat Minute Productions. You might be listening to it in the Total Rubik feed. We're going to put the um, uh, the episodes up on our feeds, but there will be an imprint companion feed as well, which you can subscribe to. So for you pure collectors out there, you obsessives, we want to know what you think. Mm-hmm. We these these are the people who listen to the show. I really want to be contacted to hear. If the transfers are good, I yes. really want to know if there's if, if someone has seen another thread that there is a transfer out there that you know that that could be better. I want to hear about how good the sound is. I want to hear mm. about what people think about the special features. I want to hear if they like the slipcase art or if they like the DVD cover art, the, sorry, yes. the Blu-ray cover art. I want to hear from you because uh, I think that this is exactly who the show is made for. We are mm-hmm. one of you, and we're excited to talk to you.
2: Yeah, we so are. Shall we dive into discussing? the first batch from May, the May releases of imprint, starting with Spine Number One and this is an interesting one to talk about this is a classic film, Spy Number One is H.G. Wells The War of the Worlds
1: This could be the beginning of the end for the human race Or what men first thought were meteors or the often ridiculed flying saucers are in reality the flaming vanguard of the invasion from Mars. And this
2: is, of course, the 1953 adaptation of it. Not the Spielberg one, the classic original one. And it is directed by Byron Haskin.
3: Had you seen this movie before? I had seen it. It's funny, like I'd done a science fiction cinema course at university that we chopped up different war of the worlds and so I'd only seen it in clips, but I got to finally watch this as a whole thing before we chatted about it. And what struck me was, man, I know you said it wasn't Steven Spielberg's, but despite how different it is and Spielberg's being like a huge allegory for basically terrorism in the modern era, he borrows a hell of a lot of the structure of the his movie from this movie, like even set piece to set piece and setting to setting and just how people are dealing with it and, and how like the international response doesn't really seem coordinated. It was a, it was a really, it was a really funny slice of like, you know, for a movie that's made in 1953, kind of like a American and Soviet and international solidarity when you're faced with this huge threat. It was like a really cool, weird thing. I, I, have, you, have you been a fan of the War of the Worlds series in sci-fi, Alexi?
2: I have been a big fan of it for quite some time. I remember reading the book in, I think, early high school. Yeah. Uh, but I think what I was really interested in especially as like people you and I that work in audio uh, that classic Orson Welles now legendary uh, radio play adaptation of this that I don't know how true it is. I don't think it's that true. That It's, awesome it's, the,
3: apocry- it's the apocryphal tale that everyone yep. who's ever done radio gets exactly. excited about, that Awesome Wells performed H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds on the radio and people started calling the police because they thought that they were actually experiencing a- an alien invasion because it was so rapturous.
2: They thought they were listening to an actual news report about <laughs> aliens invading, but I think it is apocryphal, like you said. I don't believe it's true, but it is a stellar piece of audio dramatisation that I adore and it's very exciting to see that it is on here as well Yes, yes, it is on here, I gave it a little preview as well, I'd heard it before but I just want to see it on there and just like experience it on like my great sound system as well (laughs) and I had seen this version probably in high school as well we had like a dodgy DVD of it at Mondo Movies, it was nothing to write home about Uh, but I remember always liking this version because I liked the bleakness of the text of this film, like the 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 plot, uh the characterization, the stakes. I think it's a, a terribly bleak movie that ends in kind of like a hopeful position. But I like the juxtaposition of that with like this incredible colourful technicolor, uh like pristine almost visuals of it. And I think yes. that the transfer that is on this like 4K restoration is freaking phenomenal to see yeah. a movie like this from this era uh, especially like you know kind of like this is a this is a more high end B movie than some of the other ones that we might talk about in this so you do expect this one to have some sort of like archival care applied to it but to see it look like this is kind of breathtaking
3: yeah the the blend what struck me was the blend of like you can't fake huge army cannons firing off in the 1950s you can't fake it so like they get all this artillery fire and then it cuts to these incredible miniatures that are staged in a great way and there's a couple of those like clunky moments where it's like switching between the miniatures and that and it doesn't quite work but yeah no i I totally agree i loved seeing everyone in, in a lot of science fiction movies maybe it's just like our era is like you tend to have this feeling in your mind that like oh this is exactly you know it's, it's going to be hyper stylized but it's going to have a lot of political undercurrents and in 53 the tensions between the Soviet Union and the Cold War and the Iron Curtain like none of that had like solidified yet so it sort of feels like you know, this is peacetime and no one really like, there's no suspicion of like that, that it's happening. And I really loved that version of America. Like, you know, oh we wave the white flag, you know, they know that means we're, we're in peace, you know, we're in peacetime. And so then bang, as soon as this thing turns on its head, it's so wonderful. And it's actually like, I love, you know, you might, if you do love the modern um, war of the worlds, one thing you can't say with Janis Kaminsky is that it's colorful. I did love the color in this movie. It's so rich restored in 4k from the original negative it's absolutely stunning um should we jump into i know you've already mentioned we talked about the print and we talked about um uh, the Austin world's radio um, uh, uh, as a special feature can we talk about some of the other special features because i think that some of the geeks here are going to love spy number one um exactly for this
2: I think that Spy Number 1 is a really significant film to kick things off with, and it's a significant release. It is, uh, there are incredible speech- special features on this, including one of the audio commentaries that I haven't listened to yet. But seeing who is talking about this movie gets me really excited uh, for the second audio commentary by In. Quotation marks the fans, which include Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins and Matinee, and so many other classic like genre pictures. Then we've Amazing. also got uh, Bob Burns, who is kind of like uh, I guess uh, iconic, like archivist producer. He yes. is kind of like the iconic fan that you would say <laughs> yes, of these things. Yes. And also, of course, um, Bill Warren is on there. And those are the kind of people, this is a kind of special feature that you want on one of these things. Like when I think about the commentaries I listen to, it's not always just I want to learn from the filmmaker themselves. Sometimes like you want a bit of companionship. Sometimes you want,
3: sometimes you want Ben Affleck some, yeah. in the
2: Armageddon commentary and that, that turns commentaries on its head
3: and tells you exactly. how insane Michael Bay is. And, and also, sometimes you want that, like, I, I really, I don't know about you, Alexi, but like I have, like, the most perverse pleasure in an audio mm. commentary that is derailed by a tangent, like someone yes. goes completely off book, and one of my favourites is there's a great thief commentary where James Khan abuses Michael Mann oh. for, like, not casting him in heat. He's wow. like, why didn't you cast me in heat? I was, you know, you're with my guys, and I'm like, I couldn't love... Th- the, the, I the, love know, like that. like hitting him up like 20 years later. God, I <laughs> hate to say it, but
2: kick freaking John Voigt out, chuck James Kahn in. <laughs> then he is a 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> uh, one of the commentaries that I adore is like this Blu ray release of The Odd Couple that has the sons of Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon. And I'm oh like,
3: oh my God.
2: It's really heartwarming. And i see a commentary like this where, like, these guys. Uh, The classic film nerds that have gone on to be creators and to have gone on to like be people that preserve what classic genre cinema is to hear them talk about like one of the all-time classics it 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 evokes the same resonance for me of like going like that's what i want to hear sometimes you want a companion with you when you're watching a movie that is just smarter than you and that is what (laughs) you're
3: gonna get um amazing other stuff so there's there's actually so let's go through the commentaries. There's an audio commentary by Barry Forshaw and Kim Newman, so that's the critic commentary. There's Gene Barry and Ann Robinson who give us a commentary, the fans commentary. Then you've got the making of um, War of the Worlds called The Skies Falling. You've got a featurette on H. G. Wells, the Mercury Theatre um, War of the Worlds radio broadcast, theatrical trailers, and. If you are lucky enough with imprint, and this is something that we can give you the hot tip on if you didn't realize it already, the slip cases that come with these incredible... Uh, with these incredible releases are actually limited editions so the first batch has the slipcases that are on the outside of the different covers but if you're later on buying them from like an amazon.com or like a, a, an online retailer if you haven't bought them right in the batch or you haven't pre-ordered the batches you're not going to get them but the artwork is just stellar the outside slipcase of War of the Worlds and the spine one is incredible it's It's a illustr-
2: it's the illustrator poster from like the original 1950s absolutely. release right a- absolutely and then it's got a kind of
3: um sort of more kitsch uh 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 it feels like a more contemporary poster on that but that that 50s painted poster forms the outside and it's just it's glorious and i and for for us who are fans of obviously things like the criterion collection a spine number seeing what number one is seeing this an important movie and and getting the full treatment is is just a thrill
2: And it sets a precedent for like what this collection is going to be, that it's going to be honouring classics yeah, with an esoteric twist because I think that, you know, the easy way to start would be like, oh, Spy Number, that is like a universal like classic movie. I don't know. I can't even think of like one would be. But, you know, something like, uh, you know, like your Casablanca or... um, Citizen Kane, Casablanca. uh, Or something like Jaws. Was you Maybe know Jules, something that's yeah. like a more bigger, well known mainstream hit, but this is like a iconic classic that has its place of significance in history. But it's a little bit esoteric, a little bit left of centre. There's a little bit of discovery involved in it, and um, I think it sets them off with a good precedent that this is what this label is going to be doing. And uh, one other thing that I would note is that kind of concurrently to this release, Criterion also released a uh, version of War of the Worlds. Yes. And they have similar special features. They have their source from the same negative, I believe, or their tra- yes. transfer is from the same source. There is a slight difference in the colors. I think that in the version that we have the Australian release from Imprint, that Mars at the start of the movie appears to be like blue-tinged and from the Criterion release, Mars is more red-tinged. I'm not sure what the original version of that is, but it just kind of like falls down to your preference on that of like where do you want to go with it? What is more convenient for you to purchase? I think both those releases are quite stellar. I do personally prefer the original art on the imprint one. I don't always go for the original art. I go for whatever I prefer and I do prefer the imprint art where it is like this original cover. I like the glossiness from the case here as well.
3: Yeah, I think the slipcase. If I was picking my favorite art, and this isn't always going to be the case for every batch, but um, I really love the slipcase art on this one. Like this, this, this makes it for me. Like if you if you don't have that original um, War of the Worlds art, it doesn't look as appetizing a purchase because it just doesn't feel like as iconic. But like I think that that, that Martian that Martian hand reaching from space down to like, to to this sort of um, happy um, unassuming couple down there, that sort of classic couple There, it's, it's just, it's, it's as iconic as it gets. Like it's a it's a comic book splash page. Like you see it and you're like, yeah, I could that. I've got to give that a spin. I've got to get back to fifty three and, and I've got to watch War of the Worlds and and all of them. You know what what are great about all of the War of the Worlds snapshots as you're listening. Is they're just lovely little snapshots of what's happening in that time. And so I think it's a really fun one. And I know some people have like. Gone down the ISO like regret doom scrolling version and like watch War of the Worlds, um, <laughs> the the Spielberg one. This is this wasn't nearly as uh, emotionally taxing. It was actually just like
2: super fun, a super fun rewatch. I think that with these B movies from this era, there is like this inherent kind of like irony applied to them now when you watch them, which makes them really enjoyable. And I think we'll get to talk about that in a couple of spine numbers, but let's move on to yes. spine number two, which is. Sorry, wrong number.
1: Don't pick it up.
0: Let it ring.
1: This call brings a message of death to the one who must answer it. A call that will plunge you into one of the most startling stories ever told. This is a
2: film that I was not familiar with at all. It, of course, does two iconic movie stars, Barbara Stanwyck and... The Lancaster.
3: Anatoly Litvak is the director, and Anatoly Litvak directed... Uh, so he did the Snake Pit, he did the Deep Blue Sea, the Journey, like, all in the 50s Goodbye Again.
2: So he kind of does a lot of more, like, hard-boiled, like, 1950s, late 1940s pictures, and this was not one that I was familiar with, and I might tell you this, this might be my pick of the batch, because it it offered me that chance of discovery, and I do love a noir picture, and I do love kind of like those classic Hollywood movies that have a bit of a gimmick to it. And this one has like the most gentle of gimmicks where it is for the most part in set in the confines of one room. And I love a one room movie. One of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Akira Kurosawa's High and Low, which is like that split up of like, there's a, com- there's a conversation that's just happening around the phone for so long, and then it splits off to be more police procedural film. That's one of my top 10 favorite films of all time. And this kind of evokes similar feelings to me of like, it's all around this phone call. It all like starts around like this switchboard, which is such like a, cl- a classic thing that we don't really think about anymore in the modern world. But it was like such a... Like, it's this classic imagery of what we think about when we think about, like, the 1940s, the 1950s, uh, and how important, like, the phone was for conversation and connecting to people. And there's someone that's literally in control of that. And it's it's kind of like this tense thriller movie set in a bedroom where Barbara Stanwyck is... Uh, she describes herself as an invalid who can't really move from her bed and she's trying to contact her husband and she accidentally hears of a murder being plotted. And as the film progresses, you realise like this is likely her murder and there is a strong chance that her husband could be the one that's involved. <laughs> and it's then takes time to give us some flashbacks to show her and her building her relationship building with her husband played by Burt Lancaster and that relationship falling apart and this is also based on a radio play by uh Lucille Fletcher is the writer who's
3: fascinating
0: yeah I didn't really know too much about um, it
3: I went re- down the research rabbit hole because I love that for the second one in this batch, I love that there's a female, like there's a female writer, like it's a top billing. Like, I, I, I go, oh, a female screenwriter. I just always tend to like go down the, the IMDB mm. rabbit hole and find out who it is. Lucille Fletcher not only had written um, a bunch a bunch of other stuff. Uh, sorry, wrong number, lights out. She was actually, and, and then the Twilight Zone in 1959 oh, wow. was one of the writers of the Twilight Zone. She's actually was married to Douglas Wallop and then... Bernard Herrmann, the great, the great composer, composer. So Mr. Taxi sh- himself, <laughs>
2: Mr. Taxi Driver himself, um, Bernard Herrmann,
3: Mr. Taxi Driver. But like, it's an incredible thing. Also, I do have to say, in Oz, we don't. He's not as well known or like omnipresent in like uh, around the place. But Eddie Muller is Mister Noir. And, um, on Turner Classic Movies in the United States, and he's a terrific guy. You can find him online if you want to seek him out. You can see him on the Twitter sphere and things like that. But Eddie Muller is actually uh, the historian who introduces the film um, in the special features. So you you have um, Alan K. Road, who's a noir scholar, as one of the um, uh, commentaries who sort of talks around everything that's happening on the film. But there's just so many other great things, including again on the second list,
2: a broadcast of the original radio play with the stars. I think this is actually not. The, this isn't the original radio play. This is a weird thing that you never think about. That this had already been a radio play, but we don't have like we don't. We just don't have it anymore because it was just out into This the ether, is a radio play now. This is yeah, our radio play. <laughs> exactly. But then this happened a couple of years after. This is a 1950 recording with the stars of the movie, Barbara Stanwyck and Burt Lancaster. They got them in the studio to basically do a one-hour version of this thing that they'd to done do already for the screen. And so then there's great. one uh, that a uh, radio play performance that was filmed uh, in 2009 so that is a version of this story that I believe is almost like a one-woman show yes and I think that this I I really I'm ex- I got really excited about this movie I think that I don't want to spoil too much because I think people might listen to this before getting into the movie as a bit of a preview so I would just say that if you like classic noirs if you like classic thrillers in kind of like that not quite Hitchcockian fashion, but Hitchcockian in that they are location-based. Uh, yes. You will really enjoy this movie, and I think this movie has an absolutely exhilarating ending. The ending <laughs> of this film, I was basically standing up with like what they were able to pull <laughs> off with it.
3: Well, we can't spoil. We can't spoil. Can't spoil pic- it. All, all we can say is that out of the five first, firsts, has... His pick of the litter, so that that's 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 number one. Let's jump quickly to so we've gone War of the Worlds. We've gone sorry, wrong number. And let's jump into spine number three, which I it 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 has to get an honourable mention of maybe my favourite viewing experience of this <laughs> one because I watched it along. I hadn't seen it, um, but I watched it along with my wife, and it was just such a treat to watch. I love watching sci-fi movies because you see different. You see a culture, like, showcase what it wants to be, and I just, I cannot tell you how much I loved Sexed Up America in I Married a Monster from Outer Space. A
2: beautiful, innocent girl on her honeymoon, her passionate dreams of perfect romance turned into a living nightmare.
1: For this sweetheart she married, the man she had loved, was merely the hollow shell for the invaders from outer space.
0: Bill.
3: Absolutely divine nineteen fifty-eight film that's produced and directed by Gene Fowler Jr. and written by Louis Fatiz. And it's um it's it's so I, I just had an absolute blast with this movie, Lexi. What, is, is this something you'd seen before? Have you seen this one before? I don't think I'd
2: ever heard of this movie before, except oh for, God. like, you know, it has, like, one of those titles that you see <laughs> popping up around. And I've worked in TV shows, uh, like, about movie trivia and stuff like that, and that has been... Oh, yeah. This has been one that the title has popped up. as like, how silly is this title? Surely we can make a joke about the title of this crazy 1950s sci-fi movie. Uh, so I'm only familiar in that sense. And it had kind of like, I I, I didn't know what to assume with this movie. But um, it is also, I believe it was the B movie attached to, was it Body Snatchers? Yes. Yeah, yes, it, it was the B movie that was attached to Body Snatchers and it is a B movie in the truest sense where like Body Snatchers has gone on to become, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original movie has gone on to become like one of the all-time classic. One of the great movies. Don sci-fi Siegel's Sci-fi pictures.
3: Yeah. Don, uh, Don, Don Siegel's movie has been remade countless times and the, and the premise has been remade and, and, and again- just, just the pivot of only you know five years, and we're in the height of that sort of that wrestle, that ideological wrestle between sort of capitalism and 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 communism, and so you've got this like American sort of uh, chest, you know, Chester uh, uh, beating, if you like, in Don yeah. Siegel's movie. in. In this movie, I just loved it because the first thing I thought is like, and this is not to spoil the movie, but it's kind of body snatch, body snatcher esque, um, and and. What happens is there's a moment where these this alien race, they come down to earth, they invade the bodies of a whole bunch of virile young men who are about to, in the process of courting a bunch of young women, yeah, a lot of them get em- married.
2: They're and embarking it's, on their
3: journey into
2: <laughs> such and, alluring and, things as sexual intercourse and marriage.
3: Oh, yeah. Just marriage and intercourse and how quickly I can impregnate you. And... One of the most endearing things I think almost in any movie I've seen, maybe in the last decade, is a bunch of alien, like uh, aliens who are possessing their humanoids getting uber depressed that they can't impregnate the women of this planet and hanging out with the dudes, having a few beers at the pub. Like, I just can't tell you the scene of the movie and maybe the scene of this entire batch is a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of alien um wearing their human hosts, being depressed that they can't impregnate their wives. It's just a gloriously flaccid, beautiful moment, I think, in uh, all of the movies
2: that we've watched. Truly. And I think that's what I like about these classic. B movies where there actually are yes, the B movie B that hasn't movie. gone on to become like an iconic classic. And I think there's a kitschness to it that I really enjoy where they have this huge swing with like their thematic subtext where they're like, this is the battle of the sexes. This is communism versus capitalism. This is, I guess also now watching, it, it's like this is uh homosexual versus heterosexual as well. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I, I love the swing that these classic movies or from this kind of like B-movie period of like classic Hollywood, these big swings that they go for and who's to say if they connect with the swing but <laughs> there isn't an entertainment factor to them and this value of them where you know that they know they're funny. Like you're watching this and the dialogue is funny. There's full of jokes. They're full of weird characters that are like way too macho. And you know that they know that they're funny. And watching it now, I believe that there's like this beautiful irony that you can kind of apply to them where it's like this irony through sincerity of like really just enjoying this movie.
3: And I love I love people being passive in the face mm. of
2: like unbelievable shit. Like yes. and that's one
3: of the fun things in War of the Worlds is like a moment where one of the pods crashes to earth and like someone just like goes and hits it with a shovel. Like I love that. And this and and I married and I married a monster from outer space has got so many of those moments. Yeah. It's so loaded. And also just, you know, they are definitely taking a swing thematically. They're taking a swing technologically. They're trying yes. to see if the whole super, impo- you know, superimposing, um, dueling images to sort of show the transition between monster and alien, or to give you previews of yeah. like the alien inside its hosts and stuff. They're having a swing with it. It's not quite coming off. And I think that that's part of its charm too. We're sort of talked about what's funny about it. I would say that the blu-ray case cover of I married a monster from outer space. Like it, it For whatever you get is, and not the slipcase. The slipcase is the sort of classic poster. The The slipcase is a classic
2: poster. The new art, however, is
3: as sexy as anything that is in this entire batch. This is the sexiest cover absolutely. of this whole batch. It is glorious. Like I saw I actually didn't realize it when we were when we were doing it like I didn't I didn't realize that that was what it was and it actually mm. shocked me because I hadn't gotten to it in our list of yeah. watching all of these movies yet. And I saw it online and I was like that is the damn sexiest cover. I'm going to yeah. pick that up. I'm going to I'm going to check that out and I was like, "Oh god, that is one that you might you might discard the slipcase, yeah, and you might and you might keep that one on your shelf because it is so so sexy.
2: It's very evocative. It's a very symmetrical image of the alien creature holding the bride uh, as she's kind of like incapacitated, but it also kind of evokes the image of like uh, the newlyweds being carried through the precipice. <laughs> the bride being carried yep. through the precipice, cased in this like circle bubble like uh, yes. image. And the symmetricalness of it all is amazing, but it is the colors of this case that are astounding. It's these bright purples, these like really evocative dark greens. That the the color balance between this, I think this might be like one of my like favorite covers of the year. And I'm this is one like I wish this was a slipcover because I would want I would be having this one like (laughs) sitting flat on display
3: we may need to get you know remember and 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 Alexi and I both come from ethnic uh, uh, ethnic yes. roots this is one like when your nan used to have those photo holders you know like the frame holders like that you need one of those on the front of your shelf to just be like i'm going to rank the best covers of the year and this is like this is like it it, it I mean, it's going to be—it's a, a really uphill battle for almost anything, anything that is going else. on to beat it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's so good. And now, because this is just—so um, when we're talking about like pound for pound special features, um, "I Married a Monster from Out uh, of Space" is just a 1080p transfer of the uh, presentation of the film. So it looks great. It has a, an audio commentary for, um, from Barry Forshaw and Kim Newman as well. Great. Critics. A theatrical trailer, but. Uh, critic commentary it's it is the it is the lightest of the batch when it comes to that um but but it's what it makes up what it it lacks in that it makes up for in in humor um and 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 kind of like probably just it, it was one of the ones that i was i was watching this at home and my wife like stumbled in the room and usually usually she's like oh just some other some other snobby cinephile Trash that this guy is watching. And she stumbled in and she sat down and watched the whole of I Married a Monster from Outer Space because it was just like, it's so weird. It's so quirky. It's got this energy, it's brisk. Yeah, it's fast, man. Oh my god, what's so so fun watching an hour and eighteen-minute movie? It's freaking. I awesome. love it.
2: I would also say awesome. that the transfer on this one kind of left me quite astounded because yeah. this is not a movie that you'd heard of apart from like it's got a no. stupid, silly title. So it's like <laughs> yeah. you you don't you you can't imagine a movie like this that is this old and not an actual classic. Yeah. You don't anticipate that there is much care in archiving a movie like this. But no. the transfer of this, the Visio presentation of this is gorgeous in black and white, but it is pristine. It is so clean. It looks so good. It. I think that this is a, another big surprise for me in this is like even comparing it to uh, Sorry, Wrong Number, which is, I guess because it's got classic movie stars in it, it would have been looked after a little bit more. It's from Paramount, would have been looked after a little bit more. Yes. Even comparing these two together, this looks incredible. It looks sensational. It's so crisp. It looks so uh, clean. It looks so smooth. The film grain on it looks incredible, but it looks so well taken care of. And what's
3: so sexy is we've just talked about like one of the all-time sci-fi classics up up, up alongside like a really underrated Noir, even though it's like a massive, um, you know, a, a massive stars are in it, and with the same level of care is, I married a monster from outer space. Like I love that. That like n- none of them because we're you know I don't know about you but like we we're kind of watching them all together. None of these none none of these early in the in the first batch that we're watching like none of them. I'm like oh the transfer sucks on this. Like it's it, like none of them have come to that point. They all are very sexy. Um, and and this one particularly, yeah, I, it's. It's it's such a it's a movie that has a mood, and I think this goes to the transfer. Is like the whole thing feels very noirish. Like it does feel like the whole the whole town is at night, but it's kind of got this like bright noir elements to it because there's daytime things. But the way that it's shot, the angles that it shot, the mood that it's setting, and everything, it always feels like there's this simmering like weird underbelly, and there's like dark stuff happening around the corner. And so I, I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm a bit like. I love a movie that swings, Alexi. I, lo- I like, even if it fails colossally, swing. Like, please don't be safe. Like, go ham. I want to see you go for it. And this movie can never be accused of not going for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, not, not to spoil a movie that was actually made in 1958, but... I I kind like I cannot believe that a movie exists where like a wife was kind of maybe also in love with like the parasitic host that was inside her husband and is now conflicted that he, like her husband who's just been like sort of passed off for the entire movie is now back because she's kind of in love with the alien that was in there like I'm
2: I'm so a fan of that. This is like if Starman by John Carpenter was about <laughs> a tapeworm. And that's what I like about this movie. That's a very evocative, romantic film. And now this is the tapeworm version of that.
3: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. The tapeworm version of it. (laughs) And look, can we say the most vaginally faced alien monster of the batch? I mean, like something to look forward to of future releases. What can the most vaginally faced alien be? It's going to be hard-pressed to beat I Married a Monster from Outer Space.
2: There's a lot of classics that you can go there for that, so I pray that we see some of them in this collection. Uh, I think we're going to put a little pin in it there and we'll come back to you in the next episode, which will be out as you're listening to this. It is already out there right now. So you can jump straight (laughs) over to the next episode where we'll be discussing Spine number four, which is... Ridley Scott's The Duelist, and *Spy* number five, which is Waterloo, starring Rod Steiger and Christopher Plummer, about freaking Napoleon Bonaparte, dude, not Dynamite. The original Napoleon. Uh, we will be talking about those on the next episode. In the meantime, if you want to hear more from Blake, you can head over to One Heat Minute Productions and subscribe to that feed for a bunch of great podcasts that Blake hosts and produces, including One Heat Minute, including Increment Vice. Uh, also, all the President's Minutes, which is the, the main
3: show. Thank you, Alexi. And
2: if you want to find out what Alexi's
3: doing, you can go to the Total Reboot podcast. You can also, if you are a Patreon subscriber, go to the Total Respect feed, yes. um, which they deep dive on <laughs> actors. They are currently in the midst of a Nicolas Cage deep dive of all Nicolas Cage deep dives, which I think that they're just about to conclude. And then they are in the John Travolta deep dive, which uh, which I think is a marriage made in absolute heaven. Part of the mic check pod as well, which is um, saluting the one, the only, (laughs) the great Mike Myers. And so you can uh, subscribe to any and all of those feeds. And of course, Finding drago. I mean it's it's like Funny and Joy goes out there. It's out there. It's out there. It's one it's it's one of the greatest one of the greatest Australian podcasts oh, one of the thank greatest new so podcasts much. of all time. So you can find each of us there. Um, and find us on Imprint Companion. Man, this has been a blast. I can't wait to chat to you about Spines 4 and 5 and most importantly, preview the next batch, August Oh, batch.
2: gosh. I can't wait. Blake, I'm so excited that we're on this project together. Uh, it is going to be a blast to just talk freaking DVDs and Blu-rays until the sun goes down, which it already has because we're recording <laughs> this at nighttime. And I will... Provide full disclosure, I am in my pyjamas, so there is only but a small layer of fabric between you, me, and I guess an entire city as well. We're both of us on different sides of the city, so it's not just one layer of fabric.
3: I think I think one layer of fabric, one layer of FaceTime, that's exactly how close we want to be to you. We want to be right in your ears. We are one slipcase away from you on this show. Oi, so that was the... Um
1: imprint companion baby imprint companion with alexi and blake like honestly two of the best film boys and if you like them and companions to imprints i reckon um you should probably subscribe to this hey maybe like give it a review i don't know chuck on a rating like what else are you doing like we have nothing else going on we're all inside slowly going mad so yeah i don't know just love this for them they really deserve it and um it's just great when like sweet film boys come together just fucking love to see it